0: Our pilgrimage on earth is a journey to heaven or it's supposed to be and on that journey we need to strengthen our spirits so that we can do our very best to receive the very best that God wants to give to us and so that we can enter into the very best life that God has designed for us to do. Do you know how much God loves you? Whatever amount of love you think he has for you, whether you think you don't deserve much love, so he doesn't love you as much as you wish he would, or whether you're aware that his love is unconditional. And no matter what you've done or what you're doing, he loves you so much that Jesus died for you and he'll do anything for you to get you to heaven and and to bring to you heaven on earth. Because Jesus promised that. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. That means now, here in our lives. Even if you know that God loves you so much that he'll do anything for you right now to make your life here on earth as heavenly as possible, he loves you more than that. He loves us more than we can imagine because our brains are not capable of fully understanding. We try to love others fully and we know that we are insufficient in how much we love. We love God and, you know, we probably all have an inkling of an idea that we don't love God enough. You know, we don't love him as much as he deserves. We don't love him as much as we are called to love him. Jesus told us to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole being. And we know, to some extent or other, we know that we are not loving him that fully. Therefore, it's hard for us to imagine someone loving us that fully. God loves us. God loves you, my friend, with his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole being. We need to put 100% effort into strengthening our spirit so that we can get the most out of this life. In other words, so that we can get the most out of our relationship with God. In other words, so that he can get the most out of his relationship with us. And one more, in other words so that we can get the most out of heaven when our time on earth is over. You know, in heaven, we will receive the fullness of God's love, the fullness of joy, the fullness of everything that is good, everything that is of God. When we die, we have to be purged first of everything that is not of God in order to have this fullness. But, Think about this. How big is your fullness going to be? I have this little wooden chalice that was given to me when I was on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. It's made from olive wood. It was carved in Bethlehem. And this little chalice, this little wooden chalice is just big enough to hold a sip of some kind of beverage. Just a sip. Many people die and after being purged of everything that is not of the Lord go to heaven and that size this little tiny chalice is the size of how much they are open to receive that fullness of God their little chalice the chalice of their spirit we will call it the, the chalice of their soul that little chalice will be full but don't we want to have a bigger chalice than that Don't we want to have a ginormous chalice so that we can have the fullness that is more than the fullness of a little tiny chalice? We need to be able to enter into heaven. We need to be able to pass away from this earth with with such a big chalice, with our hearts so open and our souls so big like a big chalice, that the fullness we receive in heaven is huge, is immeasurably huge, bigger than you and I can imagine right now. You know, we have that choice. We can enter heaven with a little chalice ready for that to be filled, or we can enter heaven with a chalice that is so big, it can't fit into your house if you were to have it in in some kind of material way. To have that kind of fullness, to have that kind of level of fullness of joy, you know, and it's kind of hard to understand that there's more levels of fullnesses. I mean, full is full in our minds. But as I've been talking about with these chalice examples, how big is your fullness going to be? It goes back to how big is your fullness here on earth? How big is your chalice here on earth? And... The answer to that lies in how much you are fully on the side of Christ, fully living in the kingdom of God while you are here on earth. Most of us, probably all of us listening to the podcast, the only exceptions to this would be people who are those saints that we've canonized or similar saints that haven't been canonized because they have not been researched, but they're just as holy. You know, the Padre Pio's, the Mother Teresa's. Think of your favorite saint. They reached a fullness, and we know they reached a fullness during their earthly journey because of the miracles that they did in their lives, because of being able to to read people's souls, like when people went to confession with Padre Pio, he knew what their sins were before they even mentioned anything, and if they left something out, he told them what it was, because God, through him, wanted each of those people who went to confession there, and he does this now too, every confession that we go to, but We don't necessarily go to priests who have the amount of fullness that Padre Pio had. But God wants, in that sacrament of confession, for us to receive the fullness of grace. That means fully recognizing what our sins are and fully wanting to repent of them. And repent means turn in a different direction, go in a different way. Go from the ways of the world to the ways of Christ. In order to have the fullness that God wants to give us, the fullness that really we do want to have, all the way to the depths of our souls, we want to have that fullness. We want more from God. We want his love fully. And, and like I said at the beginning, there's more love that he has to give us than we are aware of. And so God makes it known to us How to strengthen our spirit in such a way that we are fully on God's side. We are fully open to receiving everything he wants to give us. And we are fully open to being God's instruments on this earth. And we are fully open to to everything that is of God. So that we have those ginormous chalices. Our lives are those huge chalices filled with God's presence so much that we too work miracles. Let me share some scriptures with you that help make this clear. I'm going to start with the book of Revelation because Jesus says something very interesting in there, something very revealing. This is in the third chapter, beginning with verse 14. The Amen and the book of Revelation is full of symbols. The Amen is Jesus Christ himself. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the source of God's creation, says this, I know your works. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. Okay, hot or cold. Does Jesus see you as hot, cold, or lukewarm? He says, let me continue, he says, I wish you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. In other words, if we are not fully on the side of Christ, which is the hot side. Our faith is so alive in the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Spirit is burning within us. And so, we're, we're burning with love for God, we're burning with love for others, we're burning with a passion to make a difference in this world for the Kingdom of God. That's what it means to be hot. To be cold is to be of the world, entirely in the world. How many of us, how many Catholics, how many Christians are on the fence with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God? This is the person who is into deciding for themselves what is right and wrong. In other words, the world tries to convince us And you know who's behind that, right? The father of lies. The devil tries to convince us that we can be Christians and worldly at the same time. We can choose whether to believe everything that the Catholic Church teaches us. We can choose to believe how to interpret scripture so that if we don't like something it says, we'll either just ignore it or say that doesn't apply to me or say that that was for the old days. It's not for now. What we do, what we try to do, what we think is okay to do as as Christians, is to pick and choose how much of the kingdom of God we are going to be in, and how much of the world we are going to, to remain in, thinking that God doesn't mind, God understands, God forgives, or... We have a better understanding than other people do about what's okay and what's not okay. Some Christians go overboard. We think some ways of understanding church teachings are are way too conservative, way too strict, way too uh, black and white. And it doesn't fit the reality of life. It doesn't fit the reality of my life. All of that is being lukewarm. It is being a mixture of hot and cold. Lukewarm means a bit of hot and a bit of cold. And Jesus said, going back to Revelation chapter 3, I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, combining both hot and cold, in other words, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. In other words, we make Jesus sick to his stomach if we are not fully on the kingdom of God's side, fully hot, on fire in the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, in life in the Spirit. But Jesus would actually rather that we were cold than being lukewarm. He would rather that we are fully in the ways of the world than to be mixing the two together. Why is that? Let me read a little bit more. Jesus says, this is verse 17 now, for you say i am rich and affluent and have no need of anything and you do not realize that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked okay this is what it means to be lukewarm this is an example that he's giving of being lukewarm you know it's it's thinking that we have everything we need and we don't need to turn to god that's one way of of defining it he's talking about uh, riches and you know being affluent well Even if you are not affluent in money, what are you affluent in that could be used for the kingdom of God, but is being used for the ways of the world, is not making any difference in the kingdom of God that's beneficial? Okay, let me just go on. He says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Before I go on with the next part of that gold refined by fire what's that what can we buy from jesus that is gold refined by fire it is our freedom from sin we are made through our baptism to be gold but we need to be refined by the fire of the holy spirit and that holy spirit this is a spirit of truth and and helps us to live the holy life When we buy, quote-unquote, buy from Jesus, this kind of life, this life in the Spirit, it means that we are buying into what he set up for us, what he accomplished for us, what he's providing for us through his death and resurrection, through his teachings, through his coming to us, through his coming to us in the Eucharist at Mass and the other sacraments. So he's telling us, Let the Holy Spirit refine you so that you may be rich, he says, rich in the truth, rich in God's love, rich in having a full chalice when we die and go to heaven. And the scripture goes on to say that he wants us also to have white garments to put on so that your shameful nakedness may not be exposed. Okay, the white garments is the pure life, the holy life, which we achieve which we put on through the sacrament of confession through purifying our lives through becoming so focused on our path of holiness our journey of holiness so focused on becoming the saint that God designed us to be and is calling us to be when we are that focused on our sainthood our holiness we are putting on a white garment and he goes on with one more Thing he says that we should purchase buy ointment to smear on your eyes so that you may see What's the ointment to put on our eyes? He wants us to have clear vision He wants us to have full illumination Which the Holy Spirit provides he wants us to see the truth. He wants us to see what God is doing God's hand at work in our lives. He wants us to see what is good and Recognize the difference between what is good and evil so that we can choose to be fully in the good. And one last verse that I'd like to share right here, which is verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and chastise. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. He is trying to reprove all of us. He is trying to chastise all of us very gently by convicting us, which the Holy Spirit is at work in us doing, convicting us of the need to purify out of our lives that which is not of the Lord, and to take our calling to sainthood very seriously. And let me share more from the Word of God. Okay, this is from the Gospel of Luke. It's the parable that Jesus taught about the rich man and the Lazarus the poor man. I'm not going to read the whole parable, but you can find this in Luke chapter 16 starting with verse 19. I'm going to start right now with verse 22. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment... He raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side, and he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm suffering torment in these flames. See, this is one of the reasons why we say that hell is a place of flames, unending flames, unquenchable flames that, that cause unquenchable thirst, uh, because it's, a torture to know that we cannot have God because we have chosen not to have God. We have chosen to be fully on the side that is not of God, to fill our lives with what is not of the Lord. And we have chosen to not receive purgatory, not receive the purging. God gives us by his mercy the purgatory process of being purged even when we die so that we can eventually receive the fullness, whatever size fullness, you know, the little chalice or a big chalice or a ginormous chalice, whatever size chalice that we die with, God gives us the opportunity by his mercy to be purged of everything that doesn't fit into that chalice, everything that that can't come into heaven because it doesn't belong there. And, this is where this rich man is in this parable. In verse 26, Jesus says this in telling the moral of this story. He says, Between us and you, this is put into the mouth of Abraham, speaking to that rich man who's in hell. Between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. You know, that I, on the surface seems a bit cruel. You know, if, if somebody wants to, is, is in hell and wants to change their mind and go to heaven, there's a great chasm. There's no opportunity. Well, hell is for those who freely choose to have nothing to do with God. Hell is for those who, when they die and discover that Jesus was real because the veil has been lifted, their understanding that has been limited on earth, uh, their, their brain that has been very limited and giving them evidence and, you know, things that, that they've understood wrongly. Their brains have limited them. And now without their physical brains, they don't have that limit. And Jesus stands before them and says, do you want to spend eternity with me? Those who don't want anything to do with God, those who don't want anything to do with goodness, with holiness, say no. They choose hell for themselves. God chastises them, punishes them with hell because they have chosen it. God doesn't force it on anybody. But if we are living our lives so that We have our foot partly headed to hell and partly headed to heaven. Where does that leave us? You know, it's in a very uncomfortable split. And we make Jesus sick to his stomach when we're in that condition. Jesus in this parable is making very clear that there is a chasm, that there is complete separation between good and evil. Between heaven and hell between what is of God and what is not of God there is no gray area there is no tepid water you know there's the hot God side there's the cold Satan's side and the tepid waters that many of us like to live in there is no such thing in the kingdom of God you're either hot or cold when you die and you're either in heaven or on the way to being purged of everything that you want to live in heaven, but he entered into the afterlife with with some very non-heavenly things, and God by his mercy lets you purge yourself of that. And the more you have to get rid of, the longer purgatory is going to last for you. But the point I want to make here is that we have the choice to be fully on God's side. And in the reality of the spiritual world, there is no lukewarmness. There is no gray area. We either are in the darkness or we are in the light. Let me just share one more scripture. This is from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 14. For what partnership do righteousness and lawlessness have? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? See, Paul was talking to the Corinthians here because many of them were caught up in moral relativism. Many of them were caught up, like we are today, with trying to be a good Christian and yet accept many of the ways of the world as if they were right, as if it was okay. Which side do you choose to be on, my friend? Jesus is calling all of us to stop making him sick to his stomach. But to choose to be saints and to fully enter into that and to fully work on getting rid of our lives now, getting purged out of our lives now, while we are alive on earth, everything that is not of the Lord. We should be at the point in our walk of holiness, our spirit should be so strong in the faith That things that are not of the Lord make us sick to our stomach. That's union with Christ. When we can join Him in feeling sick to His stomach, spewing from our lives the things that, and the people that, uh, and the activities, the whatever that are tepid, that are trying to combine the two, the hot and the cold, the evil and the good. When we spew that from our lives, Our cups, our chalices become huge and we will enter into heaven ready to receive more fullness from God than we can imagine. More fullness of joy, more fullness of friendship with other saints, more fullness of having a purpose that makes you feel alive even after death. That's why saints have patronages. What do you want to continue doing after you've died? Where is your spiritual life taking you? What are you doing now that will be continued in heaven in a much bigger, fuller way? Pray with me now to receive all that the Holy Spirit wants to give you to help you be fully on God's side, to become the saints that you're called to be. Open your hands as you pray this prayer So that it's a gesture of saying, Lord, I want to receive all that you have for me, all that you want to give to me. Come Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me to the full. Come Holy Spirit, change me. You have my permission to change me. Come Holy Spirit, teach me the truth and convict me of what is not true. Route out from my beliefs what is not true true route the lies out and help me to receive the fullness of truth help me to be filled up with the fullness of love of scripture and love of learning the church's teachings and love of learning and being purified so that I can enter into heaven fully able to receive the fullness of everything that heaven is Holy Spirit, help me to be holy. Help me to be the saint that God the Father created me to be and Jesus died for me to be. Amen. God bless you, my friend. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit GNM.org today.